Easton, diversity, group singing, and cats' graves. This is a story about Hinton Road in Easton. It's the road where I live, and it's probably the friendliest place I've ever lived. Easton is the only place I would live, I think, in Bristol. Because I find it to be the most truly diverse and mixed area. Karen is originally from Birmingham. And when she first moved to Bristol, she struggled with the lack of diversity. I couldn't make sense of it. I didn't understand why it wasn't more socially and culturally mixed, but Eastern is. And when I arrived here, I thought, yeah, I really feel at home. I feel at home here. I was curious to know if Karen felt there'd been much change since she's lived on the street and how she felt about her neighbours. There are people who've lived on this street all their life, or for the majority of their life. And I think there can be a bit of sort of anxiety about new people moving in who aren't Bristolians, who aren't from Eastern, and, um, you know, how, what they're going to be like as neighbours, what they're going to do, it, it, which is, it's human nature. I think Eastern is generally quite a close-knit community, and people do care about who moves in. And I just really like it. I'm not trying to make lifelong friends, but I really like it that I can just say hello, comment on the weather, talk about flowers in people's gardens or their pets. I really, really like that. And for example, when I've got locked out of my house, the blokes from the garage down the end of my road, they managed to find a ladder, wasn't even theirs, and climbed into my bedroom window and let me in. And it's just things like that, that I know if I'm locked out or if I urgently needed something, I can knock on people's doors. And I and I hopefully that other people feel the same towards me, that they can ask me, you know, for a favour. Karen introduced me to Harpal, who works in the garage. So my name's Harpal Singh. Um, I live, you know, in Eastern. Uh, lived and worked here, I would say, probably worked here since 1992 and lived here all my life, really, born here as well, you know, down in Washington Avenue. I've grown up here near the area, I've seen it change over the years, quite a lot. Um, the community, uh, all types of communities together. I'm actually Sikh myself, uh, but you've got like, you know, different type of communities like Muslim, Christianity, all, you know, all types of faiths here. And we all together, we all say hello to each other. When I go out and, you know, look at a vehicle or check something outside, someone walks past, we always say hello, they say hello back. Um, just a nice community spirit. I wondered how Harpal felt the area had changed over the years. Um, you can see that, you know, there's like um, everyone from everywhere here. Um, new people, I would say, already have changed as they move into the area. Where I've noticed where like people are friendlier from other parts of the city or other parts of the world. You know, if they're from London or from other cities as well, they're just more friendlier like us. You know. I wanted to know more about the history of the garage. So we've opened this garage for about 20 years plus at this premises on Hinton Road. 
The person who I work for is Mr. Sumar. I've known him since I was a little child and I know his father who taught me about mechanics, uh, who lived nearby me, um, so kind of brought me up as well and taught me everything I know which I'm using today. We're both different people, different religion, you know, that wasn't stopping anybody from mixing in. I think it was basically a strong bond and um, people trying to help other people, you know. I would do the same as well if I could help, you know. But um, yeah, so he set us up here. So it's me and um, Mr. Sumar, who's the middle of Mr. Sumar's son. He runs it, he owns it as well. And I work here and we run it as a team and you know, we all enjoy it here. Harpal told me more about how he met Mr. Sumar Senior, who set up the garage originally. So we were neighbors and um, basically I should just come out and play on my skateboard and uh, caused a bit of a headache, a little bit like noisy skateboard. And I was like, you know, my mum came around and said, oh, can you give him something to do after school? And uh, yeah, so basically I just basically passed a spanner here and there. And then it just became like a, a bit of like a hobby. And I just kept on doing it over the years in the evening after school. So when I left school, um, I did an apprenticeship with Mr. Sumar, passed the apprenticeship. And then, uh, yeah, I've always been here since then. And that was, the apprenticeship was started in 1997, so. You know, we're in 2020 now, so still here. I've always noticed that the folks in the garage are friendly with everyone on the street. And judging from Harpool's story, it must be a nice place to work. Um, working here on the street at Hinton Road, we sort of look after you know, neighbours and say hello to them as well. So one morning we got up and you know, they came to work and then uh, we see the neighbour across the road and you know, take his kids to school. We realised we didn't see the partner. I thought, well, that's a bit weird. Maybe she didn't go to work today. And um, we seen smoke coming out the chimney at nine o'clock. Thought maybe it's just a log fire. Everyone has log fires. We're coming in and out of the garage and we see the smoke at one o'clock, thinking this, the smoke's still there. And as we decided to knock on the door and um, we seen sweat on the windows and there was actually a fire inside happening. Um, so we assumed that she was in there at that time. Um, so we had a, a spare key here, uh, which we keep for the neighbor because obviously sometimes they get locked out. Um, so that shows you how, you know, we all stick together and uh, help each other as much as possible. Um, and we opened the door, went in, it was full of smoke, shouted the, you know, the lady's name out, no one there, called the fire brigade at the same time. And uh, yeah, and the fire brigade came out, put the house out. And luckily no one was in there, no one was injured, but obviously it was just keeping an eye out on the outside of what's happening in the streets as well. And that's what's good about Eastern uh, Green Bank area and well, community, I would say, mainly. And that's it, really. Next, I spoke to Justin, who runs the spa on the corner of Hinton and Greenbank Roads. Um, I was actually born here. Um, I am 52 now. Um, although we trade under the spa banner, it's actually a, a family business. So my parents bought this shop in 1965. So we've been here about uh, 54, coming into 55 years now. 54 years is, is a long time um, and most people will just say the area has changed a great deal in that time but when you look back it probably hasn't changed. It was very much when we first took on this business um, a real mix of people and still is and when I say mix a mix of all races all religions and mainly all age groups. There were people when we first moved in had been here since the day they were born so it was a lot of older people and i think the church on the corner of the next road up as well helped keep that type of older population as well they all seem to be involved in the church in some way 
throughout the 80s and 90s, that changed into um, a lot of people started moving away, houses were bought up, um, they were rented out for student accommodation, so we saw a greater influx of student uh, population. And then we get into the um, 2000s and the, um, the last 10 years or so, we've really noticed a real upsurge in young families moving into the area. And I think that's also shown in the number of businesses that have come into being over the past three, four, five years as well. It's been a steady change, but overall, considering over 50 years, not a huge change. I wondered whether Justin felt that this change was broadly positive or not. If I look at it from this point of view as running a business, uh, 70s and 80s were quite difficult. You had your steady core customer. And in fact, still to this day now, I would suggest that 98 to 99% of the people that walk through the door there we know, and the vast majority of those we know by name as well. I would say that during the late 80s into the 90s, it was a very high crime area. We did suffer some very nasty robberies around that time, um, armed and violent robberies. Um, back in the 90s, we did consider changing our opening hours to close a lot earlier than we currently do and um, other security measures. I don't get that feeling now. It feels a very safe area. It feels a very friendly area. So any changes that have been from that perspective, I would say have been much for the better. We do a lot of things like home deliveries. As I mentioned earlier, there's still quite a high elderly population in the area. People that are housebound, they can't get out. Um, there's probably about half a dozen older people that I'm delivering to regularly on a, on a weekly basis. And that doesn't often involve just deliveries. For instance, this week I've changed light bulbs. I've fixed a microwave. <laughs> I, I've even sorted out a TV for somebody that they were having some difficulties with. So while we, we are there, um, they, they ask us to do all these other little jobs that we, we can, if we possibly can, we'll, we'll help them out with. We also, when we speak to some of our other older customers that are struggling, we make sure they have our telephone number. And it's not a mobile number, we think it's quite important. We've got a landline, which is quite old fashioned now. So anything you can't get to the shop for, or you have an issue, you have a problem, you can't get hold of anybody else, ring us. It's never a problem. The name is probably derived from Anglo-Saxon, meaning East Farm, and was formerly part of the Royal Forest of Kingswood in the manor of Barton Regis. The earliest mention of Easton is in a map from the year 1610. Multicultural it is. It's a quite diverse city, it's like all multicultural people coming down. And what makes it so special? So it has to be the diversity. If you ask anyone who has ever spent any time in Eastern what makes the area so special, chances are they'll mention multiculturalism. 
Diversity is definitely a strength of Bristol as a whole, nowhere more so than in Eastern, and, in my opinion at least, Eastern's diversity is most powerfully visible on St Mark's Road. So, I thought, if I want to delve into Easton's multicultural heritage, maybe following the length of this tightly packed street might be a good place to start. Oh, alright then, I started at number 12 Coffee, which is in fact just off St Mark's, but sometimes you just need a flat white, and these guys do a good one. Outside, I got chatting to Alexi, so you've you've got this real sort of connection to the area. You... Yeah, absolutely. I've left the area and, and then come back. What yeah. is it that sort of keeps you coming back? What is it that draws you back to this? Uh, yeah, it's, it's the how multicultural it is and how much kind of the integration of different cultures. And growing up here, that's what I feel being comfortable around is a mix of cultures. So being anywhere else kind of feels a bit strange. I think if I'm if I'm walking along St Mark's Road, the sound of like the Sweet Mart deliveries and the the guys taking the deliveries in that they're constantly receiving packages there it seems. Um, and then like even walking past the takeaways, like just the the shouting, there always seems to be some like noise coming out of the takeaways. Most of the time in a language that I don't understand. Um, and it's that's really comforting. Um, Yeah, I think it's really nice and it's, you know, it's just a sign of a nice, diverse, like, area and different things coming together. Suitably inspired and suitably caffeinated, I make my way onto St Mark's Road itself and immediately I'm greeted by an immensely powerful symbol of diversity. A mosque directly opposite a Christian church. I decide this is probably a good place to continue my exploration of diversity on St Mark's Road, but with the church closed and the mosque engaged in service, I do what anyone in my situation would do and decamp to the pub next to the church. And wouldn't you know it, within half an hour and half a lime and soda, I'm deep in conversation with Sam, another longtime Eastern resident. Hi, I'm Sam. I've lived in and around the area for nearly 30 years. Everyone, not everyone, most people chat, smile. Everyone tries to get in touch with each other. Mm -hmm. So there's sort of there's a real sort of community bond. Yeah, people, like I said, people smile. Isn't that the most important language? different languages with odd random words in from another one it's great it could be so funny just odd <laughs> everyone's speaking their own language and like i said earlier just saying in it in it and, and just sort of the, just hearing like the sort of the bristolian just kind of pop up in all these sort of different yeah. languages yeah just, just a bristolian phrase cheers mate <laughs> but it's also from different languages you go to a Somalian shop, they might be speaking Urdu because they've all, because of how roots work, they've all learned how to cook, eat 
and talk together in different countries. You know, there's that crossover everywhere. Everyone's got a different story to tell, and you never know whose story you're going to find next. You know what I mean? Or joke. Sam's mention of finding stories reminds me that I am, in fact, here with a job to do and a whole street left to explore. Make my way to Sweet Mart, a food shop that's been a pillar of the community for over 40 years now. Rashid, a part of the original family that founded the store, was generous enough to give me some of his time, and, as it turns out, Sam's revelation about finding stories in Eastern wasn't just praise, it was prophecy. Hi, I'm, uh, my name is Rashid Majoti. I'm one of the directors of Bristol Sweet Mart, which is a family-run business uh, since 1978, uh, founded by my late father and my mother. Um, both of them worked very, very hard. We are refugees from Uganda who arrived here in 1972 when uh, Idi Amin expelled all the nation. 1972 we were given 90 days to leave and um, uh, that's actually how our sort of uh, sort of UK we came into UK as refugees um, and uh, we came to Bristol first we were in a camp which was in Donnyford near uh, near a place called Watchet in Minehead Somerset and uh, we were received very very well as refugees people really I mean, I was only about seven, eight at the time, but I can remember, you know, there was people there to greet us, to help us, to guide us. And it was tough for my parents, you know, the culture change, uh, leaving Africa, for example, we had, you know, nearly about 70, 80 people working for us and then coming here and then you're waiting in a queue as a handout you know, like an army style, it was an ex-army camp as well, for food, having our kind of food, what we're used to, not being having availability. So it was very, very tough, but, um, you know, my father was a businessman, always has been, and he was strong in that. And uh, in 1973, we came, after four months spending in the camp, um, there was a, a Christian lady who um, saw my father. She knew him from back home, where she's, I think, she's probably done some sort of missionary work. Recognized my dad, and she said, what are you doing here? And my dad said, obviously, you know why I'm here. So she assisted my dad and said, why don't you come to Bristol? And um, Bristol was where this lady helped us, and we came into an uh, area, Ashley Down. It was a church house in Dongola Road. Can't forget, I think it's 58 Dongola Road, from what my memory is. And uh, my dad started the business in 1978 after, you know, finding that, you know, sitting at home wasn't not something he was used to. He was always been in business and he had courage, you know, not knowing, knowing broken English and after losing everything was the toughest for them. And to pick up everything, you know, with the family, having to support the family, he didn't want to be on handouts, you know, mm -hmm. benefits. And he, he saw that for a few months and thought, this is not for me. And uh, we started a small little shop with £100 borrowed. When you're living in a council house, you've got no security to offer a bank or anybody. 
So for us, we really, especially my father and the teaching that he gave us, is that, you know, always have the willpower. He never lost that. He lost everything else. And through that, with small, small steps, uh, which is the business that we have now, and uh, it's, it's, we have nearly about 12 family members. We have four brothers who run this particular business. And, um, you know, and we've got sort of the new generation and our wives involved in the business as well. But it's, 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 and we have a very good team as well. You know, we, we believe in one thing. We've got people who've worked for us, for us for over 30 years plus. We've got nearly over, with the family, we've got nearly about, just under about 50 or people that we employ. So one thing we've learned is if people enjoy what they do, they're going to be with you longer. So we try our best. You know, we're not a multinational and it's having the passion for what we do. first came into Easton and this particular area this is we're in the inner part of uh, Bristol um, there was a lot of problems you know there was uh, obviously the houses weren't done up properly you know it's it's a kind of place that people would come when times are hard so it didn't have some of the uh, uh, things that one would want which has completely changed now <laughs> I don't think any area is without problems, but as far as a community, I think you can go into some of the very, what one would call the better areas of Bristol, where you know, you've know you got the postcode, and there isn't any heart, there's no community. People won't even say hello to you. You, know, you might be living in a million pound house or two million pound house, and it might have the best of everything but there's no heart in it, you know, there's no community. And even the shops you'll tend to find are not doing well in those areas because a lot of these people are doing things online and that. Whereas in Easton, we have a lot of local community that support us heavily, who I suppose a lot, some of them even say to us, this is from what they're saying is, that we'd rather support a local business, a family-run business, and they want to see that. And obviously all people coming in from different areas has really helped. Just as I'm leaving, he adds one last thing. And I'd just like to add that Bristol is quite famously known as the city where 91 languages are spoken. I can guarantee you that if you spend an afternoon along St Mark's Road or Stapleton Road, you'll hear most of those languages. It's a flourishing and, and vibrant quiet in the heart of Easton. It provides a space where people can come together and, and to sing, and it's a place where people can, can belong. So it has become a community of, of people um, where people, you know, they come and sing and there's just all this sort of, you know, positive... Um, things that come out of that, like, you know, a sense of well-being and, you know, a strong sense of community. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's a, 
it's a huge thing actually which I'm, I'm very proud to say you know I've had a part in playing um, in, in creating that but obviously it's it's what everybody else brings to it as well members come together um, every week and and also we you know we we get together for performances for gigs for instance at Eastern Arts Trail we always perform there we're performing at St Werbo's Summer Fair so there's a kind of a real sense of community within the choir and um, for individual members I, I know you know a lot of them say oh it's kind of highlighted their week and you know it has become something that they kind of really love and and the you know sense of community that it brings I know that you know people really enjoy that um, and there are people that come from outside of Eastern and I think you know they've come to you know see Eastern as a very kind of groovy place to come and you know come and be and it's very sort of down to earth very grassroots you know strong sense of community and, you know, all, all those things are, are very positive things. Sheila is part of the Natural Voice Practitioners Network, a growing community of trained vocal professionals who believe in the fundamental and ancient value of collective singing in its own right. She's seen the difference open and welcoming group singing has had on the Eastern community in the more than a decade she's been a part of the choir. The, the kind of basic um, philosophy of um, being a natural voice practitioner is that everyone's voice, um, everyone's voice is 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 fine is um is valid is what i was trying to say um you know singing is a birthright um it's a natural thing to do you know singing predates kind of language so it's very sort of um um you know very primal um and there isn't a culture that doesn't have singing so the natural voice um ethics is is just all about you know people um, being able to come together and sing together for the pure pleasure of singing. Um, and that's not to say that, you know, your singing techniques, your breathing techniques, all those kind of things can't be improved, but that your singing voice is absolutely valid. But, um, yeah, I mean, singing is, is truly a kind of wonderful thing. I mean, it's hugely, you know, beneficial, not just, you know on a physical level, but a psychological level. Um, I mean, it, it's just a, just a very kind of brilliant thing and it creates well-being. Um, yeah, I can't really um, go on about it enough, to be honest. What does Easton mean to me? My mother was born and raised in Easton in the 60s and 70s by my interracial grandparents. The neighbourhood is home of BCFM radio and we're based in the community centre opposite the Plough pub. Next up is an interview with Easton resident Edna. 
recorded in 2007 by pupils from a local primary school. What and where did you play? Well, we mostly played in the street because there wasn't the traffic that there is today. You could play marbles in the gutter. You could play sk skipping with somebody turning the rope and you jumping in the middle. We could uh, used to play on the pavement, drawing by drawing the hopscotch with the chalk. And um, we used to play a queenie ball where you throw the ball over your shoulder and whoever catches it. We used to play creep mouse where you used to have to creep up quietly. <laughs> Do you play those games now? We used to play swinging on the lamppost, which we shouldn't have done, which we used to have to look out for the policeman. <laughs> and that. So we used to do things that sometimes we shouldn't have done. <laughs> but we could always play the games because it used to be mostly horse and cart in my time, and you could generally hear a horse coming that you could uh, get out of the road quick before they came along. So who would be using the horse and carts? The coal man, baker with the bread, and, and sometimes the milkman used to come round pushing a cart with a big churn on and they'd used to, you used to come out with our jug and ask for a pint of milk or how much milk you wanted and the milkman would measure it from the big churn into your with a scoop and into your jug and we used to get things from the door a lot in those days and we didn't have to lock the doors we were able to my mum used to have a string on the lock and where you could put your hand in through the letterbox and just pull the string and it would pull the lock and you could get in. You weren't afraid of your houses being open or those days. Everybody seemed to be so honest and trustworthy. We had lovely neighbours. We seemed to know every neighbour that was in the street then. Could you just say about how you were born in Perry Street and now you live there? Yeah, I was born in 13 Perry Street. Um, in the middle bedroom. And then uh, I, I haven't moved very far at all. I moved for a little while across the road of, into Stanley Street for about nine years, but then I came back to Perry Street and I'm living now in number 31 Perry Street. Lovely. And at the top of Perry Street, there used to be a high-class fruit shop called Turner's. And uh, on the other side was Weeks uh, Ironmonger. And you could go and get your cat's graves or your buckets and bowls and, and all sorts of soap and proper hardware shop. What did you say, cat's graves? Did you say that? Yeah. What's that then? Well, I, I suppose it was some, like, fat meat all cooked down and made into, like, a, a hard lump. And they, they used to sell you half a pound and that, that, that the cats used to like it in those days. Interesting. You go to school? I went to Newfoundland Road School which is now pulled down. And uh, we went there all, all, like, we don't go to another school. We went from a, a girl of four to 14 years of age, and then you left and went to work. What was school like for you? Very nice, but uh, very strict. If you weren't marching improperly or that, you'd, they'd come in, push you in the back or that, or tell you to march, march properly. Yeah, very, very strict. Are there any buildings you can remember that aren't here now? Oh, yes, plenty of them. Because the buildings across the road was like little shops in courtyard where people lived. And um, then there was a 
missions. There was a at Mortelieu Terrace, which is nearly opposite here, was a little church called uh, Morgan Memoria. And then in Thristle Street, there was another little church at the bottom of Thristle Street. That's where the swimming pool is now. And um, I rem- that was a red brick building. That we have such a lot of churches round about here now, which are all closed, which seems such a shame. But the war have made such a lot of difference, and they've altered Stapleton Road and made it into two parts, really. What is the best memories of Eastern? Oh, as a child, I suppose, really, going to Sunday school. I went to Stapleton Road Congregational Church when I was three because my cousins was living in the house where, where I was born and they were older than me and they were already going there. So because they went there, I wanted to go there. So I was took from three years of age to Stapleton Road Church and I've always enjoyed going to Sunday school and I still belong to the church now. What were your parents like? What were your parents like? Hard-working with my parents. Uh, my father was out of work when I was born for 10 years. We had very little money, but um, my mum used to go to work and you should take in people's washing, which they used to in those days. Mum used to wash people's curtains so as to get money for food. Because years ago, when they were out of work, there was no labour exchange, labour money. They used to have to go to the, something called the Board of Guardians. And I know once I was given a pair of boots because I had nothing, no shoes. But the boots were so heavy, I couldn't even lift my legs up. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. What was the main food that people mainly ate? Well, you say porridge. And of course, uh, at Christmas time, you were lucky. Perhaps you had a chicken for Christmas, or so. Would you? Did you have um, porridge even at for tea time? No, I can't say I had porridge for tea time. But used to perhaps have bread and jam, and perhaps a, a butter bun, which I used to be very fond of. Didn't seem to want to uh, cream cakes or ice cakes. Not in those days. I seemed to be more for the plain things. I think I like sweet things more now. I'm older than I did when a child. So was meat a real treat? Oh, yes, yes. Meat was really a real... But we used to get plenty of vegetables and very fond of it. And if you could grow any in your garden, especially kidney beans or tomatoes and things like that, we used to grow in the garden in potatoes occasionally. Were there any poor people? We were all very poor in those days. I think there was a lot of unemployment. You were lucky if you were in full employment. People years ago where they were so poor would even clear anyone's snow in the winter time just to get a couple of coppers from anyone else that was a bit better off than you. They would give you something perhaps for doing some a little kindness. Could you just fill us in a little bit about what it was like day-to-day living then? Did you have a bathroom? Did you have a toilet to share? Uh, no, in my house I was lucky there was a, a toilet. But in some houses they, they used to have to share toilets. We had a toilet but no bathroom. You used to have room down a galvanised bath and uh, put your boiler on to hot the water and then dip the water out into the... Uh, no luxuries like today. And um, the gas stove was just an old iron gas stove. There was no um, washing machines, things like that. And mostly we used to have a cloth and iron on the table. I didn't. My mum never even had an ironing board like today. 
washing was done by hand, nearly all hand washing. Sometimes you did uh, uh, boil things. Sometimes you, you used to even put a bucket, a galvanised bucket on the stove and boil washing in a bucket. For this episode, I'd like to thank Jake Gould and Kit Ross. This podcast has been brought to you by BCFM, Bristol's first community radio station, in partnership with Bristol 24-7, Bristol Museums, Bristol Archives, and the University of the West of England funded by the National Lottery Heritage Fund. Cheers, mate. Bye.